And we welcome you on this edition of Night Shift UCF with a 38-31 win over the Tulane Green Wave. In this top 25 matchup, Eric Lopez alongside Kyle Nash, Andrew Glukoff. We're going to recap this game. What does this win mean? Oh, we got plenty to talk about. We got the starting quarterback debate that continues on Gus's play calling. What else? Am I missing anything? Uh, what you have for breakfast? Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to be getting into all of that coming up here on this edition of Night Shift. Of course, you can uh, send your comments and your questions on our chat room. By the way, we're going to, in dedication to Cossack Advisor, who obviously was a great fan of ours, and uh, certainly we enjoyed his, obviously, content. Uh, he passed away, unfortunately, Friday we found out. And uh, we're going to dedicate this episode, all comments. We're going to call the comments section in honor of Cossack Advisor. It's going to be the Cossack Advisor chat room from now on. So uh, let's kind of acknowledge him because he, he's uh, one of the better ones. Good UCF fans. He, he's probably smiling right now, creating, uh, James, he's probably creating a nice photo of Gus and UCF and JRP with the victory guys because uh, that was a wild game. It was an interesting game. Knights come out with the 38-31 win. Good job, Mike. That's right. Otis also. This was Otis Anderson's anniversary of his passing. So a lot of uh, people were following UCF here, I think, from above in this game. And the big story, JRP gets the start. Kyle, to your credit, you called this on the podcast this week. You said JRP would start. You think that it will get into all the reasoning behind it. And he may, certainly made Gus look good with his performance uh, throwing for a buck 32 and a touchdown, but running for 18 and 176. UCF as a team ran for 336 yards on the ground, and they beat Tulane 38-31 and pretty much controlled their old fate. As far as they went out, they will be hosting for the conference. They will be hosting the conference championship game, and uh, quite frankly, are the favorites now to get to New Year's Six and represent the Americans. So, Kyle, because you called this JRP start correctly, I will start with you, and then Drew, your thoughts as well. Give me your thoughts, Kyle, on this game. Sure. I mean, listen, I'll be clear about one thing, Eric. I appreciate the props, but I would be remiss if I didn't bring along my good friend, the stat boy, with me. We both were saying that JRP would start if and when he's healthy. Um, So, you know, him coming out. Also, you know, I think it was you who pointed out on the podcast, Elo, that uh, Tulane's run defense is their weaker point. Gus opted to attack that. And listen, UCF hater fans and Full form, Jr. pouting the moment the news of his start started to hit. And I'll grant he missed some passes, sure. But he also hit one across his body, across the entire field to make a crucial first down late. You're going to get that sort of thing with JRP where one play he's going to miss something that's easy and hit the really hard pass. Listen, a lot of people in college think that uh, Tim Tebow was an excellent college player as well. It's that same kind of vibe, I feel like, with John Rice Plumley. But if we're going to blame anybody for anything on why this is close, and Drew, I think you'll agree with me on this. No, I'm not bringing up the officiating. The defense in rare form Bring, giving up a lot of yards on the ground. And listen, man, you're the one that started kind of opening up that the defense was becoming a bit more flawed. Obviously, missing Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, I feel like that showed a bit tonight. The safeties had a bunch of injuries uh, amongst them. Drew, I mean, in your mind, the defense did not deliver, and that's the biggest problem, air quotes, I would have with this game, other than the fact that it was a W for the Knights. I did pick 35-31. I said in the round table that all it would take is 35 points. 
I reminded our good friend Jeff Sharon in our uh, group chat that it would take 35 points. And I tried to tell you, but you wouldn't listen. Is all I can say to him. Drew, what say you about the defense, buddy? Well, I mean, aside from the Jeff Sharon go full chicken little in our in our group, and you had to kind of put him back in his place. Uh, you know, it's a bad sign when I'm the optimist. Like, yeah, it's yeah. a bad sign. Eric Lopez. Like, what are we doing? Pessimist. Right? The shut the program down kind of guy is the optimistic one of yeah. that old married couple. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Let's just put that in perspective. But to, to get back to, <clears throat> as I'm choking on, on Powerade, um, to get back, <clears throat> excuse me, on, on, on topic, going into this game, you knew UCF's defense was going to hurt. They're missing <clears throat> Gene Baptiste. They're missing Devon Wilson. They're mm. missing their starting safeties. I mean, this was a, this was a, defense that was already handicapped to begin with and and you saw it tackling especially as the game got longer and they're on the field longer tackling start getting just downright sloppy the you know you you think that these guys had baby oil on them with the um, amount of uh of ability to to catch ball and just turn just right just just to get out of that tackle they did a really good job uh Tulane did at mm-hmm. avoiding being brought down Heck, Drew, let me add to that. You mentioned they got oil on them. Heck, I feel like a lot of times UCF was either completely out of position or unable to get a hold of the defenders. And, like, listen, you coughing up Powerade I think is great method acting for UCF's offense and how much they had to execute and run toward the end of that game, you know. <laughs> that's that's where I'll leave that. Yeah, I well, drink it I mean, they were there. You know, as we know, the, the Tulane fighting Willie Fritzes are one of the most <laughs> scrappy guys, uh, you know, groups out there. Willie Fritz is a scrappy coach. This program has been scrappy for years. Correct. That attitude has not changed. So you you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. And UCF through missed opportunities and this is both on offense and defense allowed them to stay in the game and, and make this close than it really was. UCF should have put this game away. Well, I think and, back, I think back Drew, to the special the roughing the kicker call like the missed kick, UCF would have had possession. There could have really put the way in the first half. That well, gave Tulane is, a free touchdown there. The thing is, and I know Kyle's. What I know exactly what Kyle's going to say, and I, I'm going to intercept him on it because it was the same drive. Correct. Uh, there was a fumble and trying to be hero and picking Fair. up the ball yeah. instead of just falling the ball. And yeah, when it's right, your feet's a little more difficult than the guy sliding in. Sure, but they were trying to pick it up, and that's Correct. always harder. They actually bumped into each other. They Correct. knocked each other out of the play. Uh, so, you know, you have that. Then you have that stupid roughing call. I mean, do I think that was roughing the kicker? Absolutely not. That was a, that was a five-yard running the kicker at best. You're still skipping the phantom defensive pass interference. Trip. Oh, I'm not even touching those. Those were those those were so bad. And by I, the way, the officiating was terrible on both sides. I mean, I, you have the ESPN crew complaining yeah. about how bad the officiating is. But here's you know, but here's the truth. You can't blame that if you win or lose because there's other opportunities within the game to make it happen. And, and yeah, when in that drive, just everything seemed to kind of cascade on each other at the same time, the right. same drive. Those interferences happened on the same drive, the fumble, and then the 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 roughing on the missed field goal. That all happened at this, you know, in the same stretch. Mm-hmm. So you take that away, and, and it was much cleaner outside of that. You know, you had. Some holding calls, as we know, there's holding on every play. The question is, do you call it or not? 
uh, they were very loose with the flags and, and you start seeing makeup calls later on. Yep. Uh, but, but the truth is, uh, you know, there was a number of opportunities and on the offense, you know, there was opportunities to put points on the board and they didn't. Uh, why you run it? Johnny Richardson at 30 goal inside the two yard line. Fair question. That is a, that screams Isaiah Bowser. Yeah, I mean, you can even get away with it with R.J. Harvey, but, you, you know, throw your little guy in there. What do you do? You ran to a wall. Well, there were, there were some calls there. there. <laughs> it was something, boy. Like, uh, trust me, that that's one of them. But there was something – there was some there that you're kind of like, okay, well, that's a little – that's a little uh, – Yeah, and you know that the passing game wasn't there. You had 20-plus-mile-per-hour wins there. <clears throat> that's the reason why, one, we saw a lot of Plumlee's legs, and, two, I could see that played a role – even, even if it's not a full role, a partial role in why he started in the first place. It's about matchups. And in this case, you were going to be running the ball a lot. So you want the guy with the legs. Now, he's got to work on his ball control because, you know, he dodged a bullet on that one foot would-be fumble if there was a little more, up, you know, obscuring of the ball. Uh, he got very lucky. Uh, or just timing, Drew. If 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 his knee hits just a little bit later, that's a legitimate fumble. You're well, absolutely- fortunately that they found an angle that showed that he was down. I mean, that game could that could have changed the game. Brian W. Peterson send in what like imagine if that thing stays as a fumble, or they would have ruled it a fumble. I think it was actually game. a slicing of two different angles. Yeah. Because you could see the ball in one angle, but you can and you could see that the knee, where the knee was relative in the other angle, and you could put the two together. And, and, and make the argument that, yeah, there's evidence here that he had the ball at the point that the knee hit the ground. But, I mean, that's tempting fate. You don't want to tempt fate. So, you know what? After that, he started sliding with, with his legs. Good. Do more of that. You know, you don't have to lean forward your shoulder all the time. You're going to separate your shoulder at some time or get another concussion. Don't want that. Don't want uh, that. You know, you I think that's a great – it's that's a good like description. Defense. It's a good description, Drew, tempting fate. I think that's a good description of UCF at times here attempted some fake there that almost cost him. That's a good word. I, and, you know, it, there's always a risk. There's always a risk. And, you know, it's it's about mitigating risk. You know, I mean, heck, I work in the insurance industry. It's all about mitigating risk and finding the best way to make it work. Uh, See, but know. I think that might lead you to be a little bit conservative and safe at times, Drew. And listen, if you've learned nothing, of Gus Malzahn, he's gonna roll it up. Exactly. I mean, yeah, we we'll we got to get into that some of the calls because that fourth and one, and I know like people are trying to defend it by saying, "Look, they thought he jumped off sides." It was a no. Free there's no play. thing. He oh did. no, no, no. Yeah. Are you talking about the one with Bowser in the past? Yeah, the guy yeah. jumped offside. Yeah, but that they didn't call it. You're assuming they're calling it. I don't care if he was offside. That's an. Ins- I would not have run that play regardless, okay. and he got fortunate. Let's break it. Let's break into a couple things here, because first of all, the the take that the refs bailed UCF out is a horrible take, and is not any a take that anybody who legitimately thinks they can follow football should take. And let me tell you why. That play it starts entirely with the center freelancing. Now, I would never coach it this way. I'll be a hundred percent with that. But Matt Lee, maybe working with Hand, uh, Coach Hand, or Coach Gus, Coach Hand, of course, being the O line coach has been individually briefed or they have an understanding that if they see somebody very obviously jump off sides, he's going to snap it and get the free five. There is no such thing as a free lunch, though, to your point, Elo. Now, in the heat of that moment, is uh, Matt 
going to practice, you know, are they going to practice? All right, the officials are going to suck this week. Don't snap it if they jump. Obviously not. Matt Lee did what his job was based on whatever it is they have set up going into the game. So to kind of say, and but that's I, a chance. That's a chance you're taking. If that ref doesn't throw the flag on pass interference, think of the conversation we're having right now. And look, we there was a similar situation last week. Remember, they lined up for a 64 yard field goal. Turns out they weren't supposed to snap it. What happened? They snapped the ball and they they kicked the ball. And it was almost cost them. It's a risky, risky, risky deal there. I well, see. Here's the thing. You say a mad scientist, isn't he? Yeah, you say risky. It's risky in the sense that when you play roulette, the best bet is red or black. If yeah. it hits a green tile for one of the zeros, you can't account for that. To assume the officiating is going to be this bad is is obviously a bad assumption. You know, I mean, but we, I mean, we've been in the league for a decade. We should have an idea by now. I mean. Well, <laughs> I, I'm going to say this, and I hate to bring officiating into it. But if I'm talking about officiating, that's bad how bad it was tonight, folks. Yeah, hey, I think that was a good prenup, a good prep for the Big 12 next year because that's going to be a weekly. Trust me, the Big 12 Our is defenses like, go to die. Yeah. So, <laughs> but that being uh, said, yeah. what a pass by Bowser. Seriously, I think he can make a case for QB one. Oh, stop. See, that was a beautiful throw. Like Jeremy should He should have probably no. I'm just saying. It was talk about we can't throw in the wind. Like that was a beautiful throw by Bowser. Like he could. Like I think I would feel pretty good if he was under under shotgun at quarterback. Like if he's our third string guy, right? Like if something were to happen, emergency guy. Yeah, like I think I actually would feel pretty good. No, am I wrong? I hear that, but listen, give give this much credit too. Like when you got a guy who's as fast as JRP, under throwing him is the issue. He managed to put it out there. Maybe he had the 20-yard, 20-mile-per-hour uh, wind at his back to help him. I don't know, Drew. You could tell me with that. But in my mind, he led him just right to where it's that ball where you just think he's about to overthrow him, and then all of a sudden, JRP runs under it, gets interfered with. I still think he should have caught it. I'm going to call that what it is. Yeah, I, don't, I, agree. I agree. I agree. You know. Uh, but <laughs> I'm, just I'm, glad glad out. I'm just glad – I'm just glad it worked out that a flag was thrown for whatever the reason. Because if it wasn't, oh, my goodness. I don't see how you can fault Gus here, though. The play worked. Even with all Dude, that. it was crummy. That was, that was like. <laughs> all that going on. Here's a, I'm going to use a couple of words here in describing that Gus. That was a cluster. No, here's the. This is I what I'm going to say. The play worked. I, I would say that everything around it exploded and they just happened to be standing in the right place at the right time. <laughs> how is that different? <laughs> here, here's the way. Here, here's how I'm going to describe Gus. Cojones y huevos. Huevos grande, boys. That guy's got, I will say that, whether you agree with him or not, that's yeah, what he has. He's got a big brass. I think everybody can agree. Yeah, he, he's not afraid of, of you know, George O'Leary always says, you're either the goat or the goat. Right. And he means, obviously, greatest of all time, or means no. Uh, so take, take your pick. Uh, yeah, I could see Gus going in the same camp on that. Either you're you're a genius, or man, you suck. I think it's no, either I, I really all respect A or all column B. I respect the fact he's got, like, whether you agree with it or not, like going with JRP was gutsy because you know the backlash that comes with it if he doesn't win the game with JRP. I think, would you not agree, Drew? I disagree. I disagree on the move. It, it was, you know, aside from, you know, the fact that it, it's no secret at this point, they want to preserve Mikey Keene's uh, red shirt. Right. So this is actually, it was a perfect game not to play him. But I think this have- confirms it now. I think this, conf- I, I think. 
Well, there's twenty. Thinking. There was twenty mile per hour winds. I mean, this there is not it is, Drew. Say that a little louder yeah. for the people but, in the damn back. There's a reason. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. When you both both quotes. A slow passer in Mikey Keene who does not have arm strength. He is all touch and accuracy. And he also has the two best wins they've had the last two years. And you guys know this. If they, Mother doesn't give a damn. But that, but, but, that doesn't matter with, with, the, with the wind at that point. You correct. Go but I'm, this was going to be a run-heavy game. They had 230 I'm, yards in the first half. Well, let's give the line. Let's give credit to the line. Line oh. did their job on there. Like, they, like, let's be honest. I mean, JRP did his job. He ran the ball. But I got to be honest. Anybody could have run behind the, the holes at the offensive line. Let's give credit. You know, we're quick to criticize the line when they struggled like they did earlier in the year. Let's give them credit when they deserve it. Yes, JRP made some great runs, but the reason he made some great runs, there were some good holes that the offensive line created. I don't think he was ever pressured. Do you remember any pressures on him? There that, were some. But, not, some. There but were not, some. Like, not like egregious. Like The reason why you're going to shake him off is because JRP can escape where Mikey Keene can't quite as well. And sure. by the way, you're throwing props to the O-line. I'm going to start shedding a little teal, Eric Lopez. God yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a little disappointed you two haven't jumped on. I mean, they did a heck of a <laughs> job. You're doing your job as a host setting the table that good, brother. Don't put Thank it on you. us. Well, You're doing you. your business. By the way, if we're going to talk about things that are getting props, Miles on late in the game going to split backs. Thank well, you. Well, you love that. He was emotional. Oh, yeah. But I just want to <laughs> I, I just want to bring you know bring up some stuff. Look at the look at the first half, the second half stats. You know, the, the weather did change in, right. as the game went on. First half, Tulane passed for 64 yards, you know, only 14 attempts. And then as the game went on, weather got a little bit, a little better. Twenty-five attempts, one hundred and seventy-two yards. They started throwing the ball more, uh, and that's why they're trying kept to catch up too, right, Drew? Say what? Some of that's some, trying to catch up a bit too. They were oh, yeah, they the ball fourteen versus twenty-five times. That's part of it, but uh, you know, they struggled. Right. They struggled moving yeah. the moving the ball in the air in the first half. Right. Uh, you know, you look at UCF some yeah, their passing numbers went down considerably, went from eighty-eight to forty-four, but they were seven and eight, seven of eight in their throws. It was definitely run to set up the pass, which was always the plan. And when you're uh, up that big, aren't you trying to run the clock by running the football? Isn't that where Isaiah Bowser imposed his will towards the Well, end? the problem was it was only in one drive. It was only that last drive. Pretty important drive though. It, it was a very important drive. It took eight minutes off the clock. He ran the ball 12 times, including that touchdown. I mean, that was huge. But you look at it, 30 rushes in the first half with a 7.7 average for the team, 24 in the second half for a 4.4. Uh, just you know, 230 yards in the first half, 106 in the second half for rushing. It's just they, you know, they the, the running game kind of stalled a little bit. You know, teams adjusted. And, and you see just – really wasn't built to to kind of go to a pass friend you know first offense so they kind of floated a little bit and, and the part of the problem is it goes back to what i was saying before you left the points on the board they should have put this away early on and so they didn't have this problem remember uh you know tulane has shown that they can put points on very quickly look what they did in memphis same thing went up 35 nothing and then tapered off and before you know it, it was 38-35 was the final score. So I, they could put up a lot of points. And, and, you know, I just never felt comfortable with UCFC because, you know, the first drive, they got inside the tent, settled for a field goal. Uh, that, that second drive didn't get any points. So there's 11 points. Then there's the fumble slash uh, roughing the kicker. That's 18 points. Plus the, yeah, yeah. Plus the potential could have scored. 
you know, so you have 18 direct points that you left on the on the table, you know, and then you have a potential seven points you could have scored, which would have made it 25 points. So you got 18 direct, seven more indirect. That's a lot of points you left on the table. And uh, still, they, the game is won. I think that's the part we got with bad win. It should not have been this close. Correct. That's what I'm saying. It's more, UCF dominated more in other places other than one stat, which is definitely the most important, the score. I'm with you on that. Oh, and give credit. Look, Tulane, you mentioned it, Drew. They're a scrappy team. They competed. Yeah. I thought they settled down a little bit in the second half. I thought they were – you could tell they were you – know, had some drops early. I thought they were a little tight. Um, so, yeah, they I mean, it could – Right. Right. It no. wasn't until the end of the third quarter yeah. with that whole snafu with the way the quarter ended. I, <laughs> I mean, I mean, what a what a crock of crap that was. Oh uh, my lord! I, I mean, what a joke! I mean, you you talk about bad calls before. That was bad. There's a lot of bad from the officiating. Uh, this is uh, by the way, this is night shift. Eric Lopez, Kyle Nash, Drew Glukoff. I want to read some comments here. A lot of comments coming in. Uh, so I'm going to try to get a couple here quick. Roger Greenberg says. Another win in the books. All we have left is Navy and South Florida. We'll address that in a little bit. MG, RIP, James, well said there. Mike Doty won this game for Otis and James. Uh, Drew, you mentioned, I think this Otis is birthday today, correct? Yes, it would have been was, his birthday. Oh, this was Otis's birthday. His, his mom put a post online um, talking about it. And, you know, uh, I, I'm sure the players knew, or, or the one, especially the ones that knew him, I'm sure they knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially they they came out of the gate firing. I mean, there was some motivation there. So, you know, it was really, you know, really important win, you know, for the fans as, you know, as well as the team. The team needed it for the standings purpose. I think the fans needed this too as, as a coping mechanism, as, as a way of, of, you know, reconciling some of these feelings. I mean, losing James so suddenly um, just, you know, yesterday, uh, you know, that, that stings. I mean, cause he's, you know, he was such an active member of the Twitter community and yeah. I've met him in a positive way too. always positive to all the UCF teams. Uh, always put a positive spin. I think, heck, I, I, I spoke to him a couple days ago. It just yeah. kind of spooked man. He was talking about the positive of the women's soccer. It was just kind of crazy. And that's, to find that that's out. what kind of hits home is he was so active out that people yeah. were like, yeah, I just talked to him the other day. You know, it's like, you're, it shows how, leading life is you know it's here and then it's not yeah and you know like you know a lot of people were, were friends with with lynn cheek she'd been fighting for a very long time sure. this kind of hit more out of nowhere and, and hits people in a different way much like how when otis passed it just right. came out of nowhere because well we knew he was battling some health issues but we thought yeah. it was kind of on the positive end but unfortunately uh, yeah so i so i mean there's you know that that hits you emotionally in certain ways, and, and you know, sports is a way of bringing people. Sports is like music; it's a it's a way of bringing people together. And you know, as we know that you know the, the Twitter mafia is a community; they really are. And this is a way for them to come together and say, you know, win it for for James, and and they did, and they can they can rally around that, and 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 it makes them feel good, and, and I think we all need that. Hey, nothing wrong with a positive deal there. Uh, Fallen Hero, the base legend, on our Cossack Advisor chat room as we're honoring James for by naming the chat room after him. Fallen Hero, the base legend, JRP won this game with his legs. Look, that's his strength. That's his the weapon that he brings. And I'll give Gus this. I know you guys think this was an obvious decision, 
But I, I really wouldn't have blamed him if he'd gone either way at the quarterback position. Without the win, I would wind, I would agree with you, Eric. That's the only thing that's making me say it's obvious. And that's the one thing I couldn't account for when I had actually said if I were Coach Malzahn, I would this would be a good week to start Mikey King and then bring JRP in as a change of pace, like we talked about on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast as well this week, Eric. Bing! And with all that in mind, you know, I, I put that in with – the uh, in the round table with kind of trying to put it into the universe and wishful thinking and then the universe is like no fool we gonna kick up that wind ah and then make it obvious to start jrp but, but here's the thing about jrp and i think this is what the coaching staff best case scenario you guys can tell me if i'm wrong you go with You're jrp wrong. here <laughs> I'm a, well, that's what I, all right jeff there you go uh uh <laughs> now, now you simulated uh, both both of the members of that marriage eric are Drew, oh, very man, you know, now now can I can I now be Je uh, Jeff Sharon as well as Eric Lopez? That's right. I have a new identity. You're wrong. Um, <laughs> but look, here's the thing: where I think the staff. I mean, this is an interesting game here and uh, strategy here. You play JRP right. short term. You think he gives you the best chance? He's mobile. He's starting. He gets you to the conference championship game. You get you to New Year's Six. Now all of a sudden, you could say he comes back next year as the starter with experience going into a Big Twelve. That's going to be a tough schedule with five road games. Six uh, conference road games, six when you include Boise State. This could work out for the staff short-term and long-term. And, Kyle, you made a great point on the podcast. And, Drew, I think you made – there's a relationship situation long-term with this staff. Is like, hey, we're going to treat our players well. We're not – a kid's not going to – if a guy loses his job because he got concussed or an injury, that's going to look bad to recruits or other transfers down the road. And I think at the same time, the staff's also taking care of Mikey Keene. If Mikey Keene decides that he's moving on and he gets richer – I think there's a lot of things juggling here that goes beyond just this game and the win. I think there's a lot of stuff, and I think I have to let's give the staff thoughts there. And I think it's a good strategy because I I'm one that yes, you want to win the conference championship this year, but I also don't think you should be at the expense of next year. So if you can win this year and benefit long term next year and beyond when you're in the Big Twelve, you got to do that. So for that, I, I I I'm okay with the move. Yeah, no, there's, so there's a lot of stuff you're mentioning about juggling and all that there, Eric. That's a great point. The point I want to clarify is uh, on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast, bing, we didn't know yet like we do. We have hindsight on our side. Without having hindsight, the way Captain I would hindsight. Did somebody? Yes, that's Captain Hindsight. No, he. I didn't have him, Drew. That's the point. What I'm getting to is this, and I'm going to use your word here, Drew. Concussions are incredibly tricky. Okay, so you need to always err on the side of protecting the player, especially within the same bleeding state, I might add, where the Miami Dolphins are being, being scrutinized something silly about the whole situation going on with Tua Tunga-Vailoa, right? You need to portray to the recruits out there that you are worried about their health before anything else. Now, whether or not that's true, listen, I'm not an investigative reporter. I know people who used to do that and do, do I think that. they do, by the way. I think they do uh, care. But I, but I think there's a – the point is I think there's a short-term game and a long-term game with this decision. It's a juggling act. You, you've yeah. got to juggle the, the, the near, the now, and you, against the long-term. There's no easy way no one size fits all. Unless an outside force like the wind comes in and sort of forces your hand. And as well, if JRP is clearing all his protocols and you've got doing all, everything you're doing, he fees, feels well, the tests are going well, he's had the two weeks of rest, and 
the wind is coming. So if the uh, UCF hater fans out there, all the JR powders, by the way, you can't spell, <laughs> you can't spell JR powder without JP. I'm just throwing that out there. But oh, oh. the line is this. At the end of the day, there is no way at the start of the game that I would bring anybody in but JRP because of the win. Now, if Gus had come out in the second half and adjusted and brought in Mikey Keene with how good they were protecting and how good, how much the wind had died down to your point, Drew, I'd been behind that as well. Eric, you and I have been talking about with two quarterbacks that could actually pass the ball, unlike Mr. Gatewood, I'm sorry, um, why there isn't more change of pace with this group. I don't get well, it. Well, I, I I have an answer for that, and it goes back to that whole red shirt thing. If you're going to bring in Mikey okay, King, fair, you're going to start Mikey King, or he's coming in because that injury happened. I mean, But you're not going to bring him in you know, for mop-up duty. You're not going to bring him for like a two-quarterback thing. Uh, I mean, it's pretty obvious based on comments. How many that... games this season do you have left? I don't mean to cut you off, Drew, but I want to make sure I'm on your page. Like, okay. How many games does he have left eligibility? Two. two more, right? Okay. Yeah. So those games are bad. That's why we don't see Castell- Castellanos anymore. He's used all four. So he they're not going to break him out unless something really bad. So you think they're keeping that in the bag for later games, maybe? Like perhaps uh, it's going to be a bowl game? Potentially. But the, the key is they, they want to make sure they, they don't exhaust. I, I don't, by the way. I don't. If you use all four and then you're in the yeah. bowl game and Plumley gets hurt, what now? Correct. You're burning someone's red shirt. Where and, you're assuming they don't want to be in that position. Well, that's an interesting point, though. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's see what. But what Gus did say, yeah, uh, that they wanted to preserve his red shirt. It sounds like mm-hmm. it sounds like there was something between him and and Keen, you know, because you don't usually do that unless there's something between, you know, unless you're like a freshman and you still got something to, to learn. Oh, that's part of or college athletics. I, so I think this is. Drew, I think this is college athletics 2022 now. I think coaches and players have to be honest with each other on both sides, whether it be coaches telling a player, hey, I don't think you're in our future plans, or a player saying, look, coach, I don't feel really great about my own. I think there's got to be communication. What you don't want to do look, coach, is what happened. What you don't want to do is what happened in South Florida where a coach, a quarterback was named, and Timmy McClain's like, I'm out of here. Or- and that could have happened, but you also have to – this also – attributes is is a testament to the person you know mikey Keene is a Absolutely. team player and and he wasn't gonna do it. plus it was after the deadline uh you know mclean left but he, he really didn't gain much out of it because he, he can't play so by you know Keene sticking around he could still play they're going to work to maintain his red shirt he could transfer at the end of the year he's not going to lose that that year of eligibility he'll still have three years to play and you know everyone wins and, you know, that's a, that's a good coach relationship with a player that wants to be a team player. I, I think that, that that shows how both of them, you know, yeah. they're upstanding guys. Well, and, I think that's and- the point, Kyle, you've been making. I think this is the long-term game. This is why, yes, I do think next year plays a factor in this and the future. And doesn't mean that they're trying to sacrifice this year. I think they're, they're this could be, if this works out, JRP plays well down the stretch. They win the conference championship. They go to the New Year's Six. Everybody wins in this scenario because UCF has an experienced quarter, winning quarterback coming back next year, potentially in the first year of the Big 12. Mike and King gets what he wants. The coaching staff get everybody gets what they want. It's a, it's a, it's a, it, and I think there's a lot of things. And look, I admire respect uh, the coaches and how they've handled this because a lot of coaches would not have handled this very well, guys. I know you're saying that this was an obvious thing. A lot of we've seen coaches in a lot of different levels. 
that have butchered mo- similar decisions like this. Now that's well, fair. No, there, there have been errors uh, uh, abound. And, and Drew, I want to give you a little bit more credit over and above. You pointing this out is a very good point. And I think it also accents to, to the precise degree that Mikey Keene is a team player, right? We saw Dylan Gabriel start to basically quit once he knew he was leaving. But Mikey oh, Keene, basically, he basically bailed. Uh, my point know. exactly. But Mikey Keene is still ready at the drop of the hat if catastrophe happens to take this game to win or take this team to win a big game. Props to the young man for that. And you know what? I if if he transfers, assuming that he does, we never know anything. You know. Uh, especially in this day and age, you know, uh, tons of credit. And listen, he's one of the guys I'm going to be cheering for. And and Eric, I would be remiss if I didn't call you out on your own logic. We still may not have actually met the 2023 starter yet. Well, yeah, I've been wrong. I've been wrong on the quarterback. I've been wrong on the quarterback every move this year. So why not add another one, right? But that's <laughs> it. You know, it's uh, it's been unique. Uh, it's been very unique. I want to bring this up because you. I want to bring this up because you two kind of brought this up during the game, and Mike Doty's bringing this up. Our edge coaching and DB coaching has been horrendous lately. I don't know about horrendous. That's a strong word. But you guys were commenting during the game. You weren't pleased with some of the UCF and the edge as far as containment was well, concerned. Well, in we- fairness, let's get one thing out of the way, and then, Drew, I'll let you go to work because, okay. listen, this is the kind of stuff that will let you set up the knee-jerk reaction, which will come out later. Bing! Uh, find that on the blackandgoldbanneret.com, uh, by the way. Um when, with with all that in mind, let's get a couple things out the way. Jeremiah John Baptiste not in the game, huge deal in my mind. Okay, his presence not there is a big factor. Um, also, a lot of injuries in the safeties. We mentioned that earlier, Drew. I think that has to be mentioned before we let the stat boy loose on the criticism. Fire at will, my good man. Well, I. The truth is there was a lot of outside containment issues, but it's it's not the players. Uh, actually, they're normally pretty good at it. Uh, this was just really good blocking schemes. Let's call it what it is. Uh, Tulane did an excellent job. They were able to pinch the outside and allow you know Spears to to make those runs you know out on the edge. You don't feel uh, like they got pulled in a little bit. Man? Well, I mean they they got pulled in a bit, but it was it was there was it was good blocking schemes. It was good schemes. I'm not um, questioning that. Let, let me ask you this. UCF has good defensive ends. They really do. But would, if Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste, more veteran guys are in the outside that are more capable of reading that, is it a different game? I don't know. Uh, hard to say. Um, but it's fair. Jean-Baptiste is really good at pursuit. You know, he, had, he he knows angles really well. So he may have been able to, to help out with that. But as we know, outside containment, you know, it's either an outside linebacker or a defensive end. That's who has your outside containment. So at times... Uh, you know, when you when they get pinched in, you know, that's just good blocking because they know who the target is. The target is Josh Skelscar and and Tremont Morris Brash. Those are the guys you have to to pinch and and bring them in, or or just you know hold the line and not allow them to get back to the to, to their outside containment because you want to get the running back to cut back in because that's where everybody is. You get to the outside, you get those huge chunk plays, and then add him now where the injuries come into play. Your safeties are out. You've got guys who are not quite as adept at tackling. So you're seeing more missed tackles, more guys out of position. Uh, but from the initial point, you know, when you get in that, when you're still in the first level, that's just really good schemes by the offensive line. They, you know, Tulane's offensive line did an excellent job against a really talented defensive front seven. For, and for Spears is stupid fast. Let's throw that and in too. Fast. I mean, 
just spot out pursuit. You know, you you watched on on some of those third down runs where he just ran to the outside. It was a foot race. Correct. And you would get you know get to the corner just quick enough before that outside containment get to him and get the first down. I mean, he has stupid speed, uh, but it gets to the point where it's like, what are you gonna do? You know, that, but that's where where you need to have that surefire open field tackling, and it just it wasn't there today. Uh, it could have been a combination, not just. You know, players missing. It could have been mental things. I mean, it could have been who knows how many factors. But the truth is, Tulane was really good at avoiding being brought down. No, that's a fair point. A lot of the, a lot of uh, quality jukes and moves. You know, good agility overall by Tulane. I can't take that away from them, though. I would be remiss to talk about speed Drew without bringing up Willie Fritz himself. A mentioning leaning into this game that he feels like UCF is the fastest team on their schedule that they're going to be looking to face and be at halftime. Willie Fritz saying that John Rice Plumley is even faster than we imagined. So, I mean, he should have worked. He should have. It's a foot race. I got to tell you. I got to tell you, he's got to be disappointed not giving Spears more touches. I think he only had eight carries. And, I mean, that kid was speedy, man. He was a good playmaker for them. Yeah, eight carries, 130 yards. But, you know, when you're playing from behind – and this is, again, where it comes back to UCF leaving points on the board. When you play from behind, you throw the ball more, and then you, they start getting back into it. They were able to kind of settle down and get those big chunk yards on the run. Uh, you know, it, if UCF was able to get, get those extra points on the board, I actually think we'd see less running from Spears and more from Pratt trying to throw the ball, just just you know that desperation. You know, they didn't have to get desperate till later in the game. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out, Drew, because and I think I think you and I both alluded to it in our own way. But at one point in the game, you know, before uh, they were down a little bit bigger, the distribution between run and pass for Tulane was pretty even in Elo. I know we talked about this team being particularly balanced. Um, but the one thing I, uh, that we have completely overlooked with all the other details, we would be remiss. UCF now officially three and five out of the state of Florida. I know. Hey, we can win out of a different zip code in the state well, of Florida. Kyle, you know, to your point, you uh, Tulane had more rushing yards than passing yards through three quarters. Great point. Yeah. Uh, you know, this was a – it wasn't until, you know, that fourth quarter when they were getting desperate. Mm -hmm. you know, you're running out of yeah, time. I'll be, I just – I mean, I know what you're saying. They were behind, but you can still throw the ball to Spears. Like, I thought Spears scared me more than Michael Pratt, to be honest. Well, I – Michael Michael Pratt – you know, got hit a number of times. He, he got did. hit a number of sure. times. And, and you know, their, their offensive line just could not stop the onslaught of, of the pass rush. It wasn't yeah. Britt Barrett against Cincinnati bad. No, it wasn't that bad. But, I mean, it, it was rough. Uh, <laughs> and, and, you know, he took a, he took some hits. And, you know, other than the, the fumble that they were really lucky to, to avoid, you know, they had the bad exchange – I mean, who you can blame that on? I mean, is it a quarterback? Is it the running back? But there was a bad exchange. There was some miscommunication. But other than that, I mean, he actually had a, a decently clean game. The receivers had a massive amount of drops. I mean, you know, you you we've seen early in the year when UCF was struggling with the drops, the mental the mental toughness to to you know hold on the ball and see it through and not try to run before you catch it. Uh, you know, that caused all sorts of problems, and it caused. 
Plumlee a lot of problems because it. But is that cool? I mean, is that coincidental? Because I don't remember talking about drops when Mikey King was throwing the ball. I mean, is this is this a, well, is this a that was no longer this... an issue by the time he did. Um, this was something that was worked on in the first half of the season, and by midway in the season, this was really not an issue anymore. Think of it this way. The O-line isn't making some of the basic mistakes, letting guys cross sure. their face, things like that. It's the same with the receivers. They're more sure-handed. To Drew's point, if you're looking for a reference to what Tulane's receivers were doing tonight, I would reference the SMU game and what their receivers did to Tanner Mordecai. Right, Drew? Oh, absolutely. Now, uh, you know, and, and you know, there was times where they were open and they just dropped the ball. Two in the end zone, I think, yeah? Yeah. Uh, I'd have to think back, but uh, there was definitely at least one. Right. Uh, but I mean that that mental aspect, you know, you want to you want to be big time. You want to be the best. You have to beat the best, and, and you know that's called not ready for big time. You know, if you don't have if you don't have that 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 mental fortitude to to stay focused on those moments, because remember the easy passes are the hardest ones to catch. Because they're the easiest ones to mess up. Because then the pressure's on. It's like, oh my god, it's coming right for me. You know that last touchdown uh, that Pratt threw. The the guy made sure he dropped to his knees. So he didn't right. drop the ball. the ball. Right. Uh, I mean, it that's was a like, good point. I didn't think of that. It's that mental aspect of you know I dropped the ball earlier. Uh, you know I can't afford to drop this one. Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! Oh god! Was that a for time, big man? All right, I got a couple more. I got some comments here. Uh, new uh, li- follower and reader, uh, listener. Chris Eduardo chimes in. Any chance you think Bowser was running in that wild card instead of throwing if the O-line didn't think it was offsides, or do you think it was a designed throw? What do you guys think? Do you think they were going to snap the ball if they, if they didn't see the yeah. offside? Do you think, were they going to go for it if there was no offsides? He yeah. thought he had a free play just like when Matt Lee snapped it with the offsides. It was that blatant that even Bowser saw it. And of course, let me ask you. So, if there's no offsides there, do you think they snap it? Yes, but I don't think they throw it. Do you think it's a run? So they would have gone it's for hard. it no matter what. Okay. Well, look at look at the what the alignment did on the blocking. Right. They blocked for run. It okay. was a designed run. Okay. No, I just want to make it clear that Jeff Wiseman. That last drive is why Bowser is so important to this team. You both have defended Bowser. When they've had other people call in for Harvey, that last drive though was a great Bowser well, signature it before, drive. It was early in the year too when he was getting averaging three yards a carry. They they were calling for him to be benched and stuff. But here's the thing: Bowser's best values are in the short yardage situation and in the fourth quarter because he hits hard. He tires out defenses. I mean, look what he did in that final drive. They rode him. Now, what they probably should have done is used him intermittently at least in the third quarter. They they basically abandoned him in the third quarter, and the run game stalled. I mean, it that stalled. That one in the, the red zone where they should have gone to him, for example. Oh, well, yeah, there's no reason why. If you're ever in the short yardage situation, put in your giant battering ram. I mean, what are you doing? Even Mario Kart characters named Bowser bash people. Hello? Now, Drew, let me ask you this, too. With, with all that in mind with Bowser, you say he has two important elements. You are neglecting a very important part. Well, his blocking element, too. I mean, uh, Just the, the, as, by the way. Yeah, and, and you know, the good thing is the blocking, uh, the pass blocking actually was really good today. Uh, there wasn't all that much, you know, trouble overall. You know, there, there was. JRP dodged it in a way that yeah, might well, And that's, that's what he does. Right. That's what you get out of him. So, I mean, the fact they didn't have to sacrifice Bowser – as a blocking back, 
they were able to save him for later. But I still think you need to incrementally use him, especially in those short yardage situations. Uh, you want one, you want to keep him, keep keep the juices flowing. You know, you don't want him to, to kind of stall out. And you you want defenses to to fear. You want it. You want them to be afraid when he's on the field, and and rotate him around. And even if you don't use him, you know, go with the split back. Thank you. And, oh God, don't get Kyle going. <laughs> oh man, you have a, you have three ten plus talented running backs. I'm not even counting. You know, what you have at quarterback. You have three plus talented running backs. There is no reason why you can't have two of them on the field. You put Bowser and Harvey on the same. You have no idea what you're going to get. All you know is you're going to get hit in the mouth. And it's going to hurt. Man. <laughs> got more. We got got more comments here. Michael Rakowski with all the calls being reviewed. It was a great afternoon to watch commercials. Holy smokes! I thought for a minute we were on CBS Sports Network. For a while. <laughs> what the heck, man? All timed excellently for me to get more beer out the fridge and not miss a second of action, Eric Lopez. Can we just move it along? Like, good lord! Like, oh, by the I, way, we're still in the second segment of the show because we had to review some tape. We're not in the third. This segment. is true. <laughs> That's one good thing about Navy next week. It'll be a lot shorter game because I don't well, have any yellow things, but. There's my flag. Um, all right, so Brian Peterson wants you guys to verify. Do you think JRP was absolutely a game titan call based on the weather? Do you believe they literally looked at the win and said, we're going with him? Or do you think this was to determine days in advance? What's your guys' side? That's Brian Peterson's question. I think it was days in advance. I, I think it was days in advance. I think they're going to say it's the weather. <laughs> I, I think they have. I think that they had this planned. Uh, they like keeping, you know, keeping it close to the best because now a team has to plan against two different quarterbacks, so they had a chance to be coy about it. But I, I think this was always the plan. He was cleared to play last week, uh, but you know, there's, there's no reason to kind of rush things along. We know they want to keep the red shirt. This was going to be a run-heavy game anyway, so you knew what the game plan was going in. So it made sense that he was going to be the guy. Well, maybe, they, he, maybe they called Eric Burris in days in advance and say, hey, is there going to be wind in Tulane? And Burris going to typically freaking out, hyping up all weather systems. Yes, there is. It's going to be terrible, coach. Maybe that's what happened. No? You just hate weathermen. He does. That's a fact. You are anti-weather people. Yeah, just, you know, like, <laughs> settle down, guys. All right? Nobody cares that the eye is opening and widening, and nobody gives a bleep except you dorks, all right? Uh, well, I don't know. I think the people in Fort Myers actually would have cared about well, that. Well, that's different. That a storm, when a storm, I think we can figure out when a bad storm's coming our way. I don't think we need graphics of, hey, look at this beautiful eye. It's growing in the 20 miles. No, just, just just tell us what the hell is coming, and we'll figure it out, all right? Stop being, stop gloating about, like, wow, this is such an awesome system. When you see a, a pitcher through a complete game shutout, in softball, maybe a no-hitter. It's a beautiful thing for you to watch. Well, that's beauty to them. Let them have their beauty. Ooh, delivering to his audience. I'm not doing coffee talk to a, to break it down. Hey, listen. You do other shows. Yeah, that's true. Much, much highly touted rated shows that have more that, 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 That's not the here nor there. <laughs> Mike Jeff Wiseman. Uh, <laughs> really quick, Eric, I want to get this point in. I no. know you and I get along so well. My predictions are right more often than theirs. Boom. Oh, God. When is a weather guy's prediction even right? They were way off on these two storms, by the way. Nobody will admit it, but they were way off. But anyway, my rant's done. I don't think uh, – Jeff Wiseman, I don't think Mikey wants to play in garbage time, but I do think Mikey would burn the red shirt without hesitation if he was needed. 
What do you yeah, think about that? that? Right? And Jeff Weissman. Yeah. We agree. Yeah. yeah. I, I kept alluded to the same. Absolutely. Yeah. If he was needed, absolutely. But the thing is, they're they're trying to do something good for him and, and, and give him the opportunity to have that red shirt so that he still has three more years of eligibility. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, I'm here if you need me. I'm going to, I'm going to practice. I'm going to work. I'm going to try to get better. Uh, but you know what? Just because you're not in the game doesn't mean you're not important. I mean, yeah. look at it from Keen's perspective, too. That extra year would be great. But in the unlikely event, in the unfortunate event that JRP gets hurt, hurt again and, per, oh, un, you know, let's say he unfortunately does so, I don't mean, I don't mean like Kenzie Milton bad, but like enough to miss the rest of the season, let's say, and he's forced to start and come in. Okay, I have a better opportunity to get more game tape of me coming in the clutch and delivering, and I can have a, be a better prospect as transferring. There's a certain win-win aspect here for Mikey Keen, and you got to respect that. Yeah, but but he's not going to want to play garbage time because sure. it's a waste. No, and they haven't done that. They haven't done that. And they're not going. So what you're saying is he's not going to play against the Cal, the South Florida in two weeks when we're up thirty points. You're more likely think- to see Timmy McLean. I'm joking. No. <laughs> oh, well, we see Bill Bone. <laughs> Ooh, that could be good. Uh, hey, Mark Soskin. I wouldn't mind seeing Timmy McLean against the Bulls. I'm just saying. It's not legal, but it would be, it would be hilarious. And I just said I wouldn't mind seeing it. Don't get I it do. Ag- I do agree with the bone part playing a couple snaps against South Florida. I mean, good Lord, we got to make it at least I mean, somewhat of a decent fight. 13 again, again, uh, you know, you need someone to play. Uh, Mark Soskin, another new uh, listener and reader. Seven ranked teams already lost this weekend with five other ranked schools still could lose tonight. Tough opponents are playing on the road. People are talking about the rank. I, I think they're going to move up. I don't know what – I think they're 19 or 20 they're going to end up. And it doesn't matter. Here, you know what the ranking, the one that matters the most? They're going to be the number one ranked team in the G5, which means you win out. You're going to Arlington, baby, to Jerry's World. That's what, what you matters. like talking like William Shatner. I – don't agree with you, Eric. No, listen, you're wrong. No, I'm kidding. No, let me tell you. Uh, the, the only the only thing I would disagree with in that assessment, Eric, that the rankings don't matter is how else are teams evaluated but the other rankings, right? So, well, 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 no, no. I mean, I'm saying, but my point is, as long as you're the highest ranked G5 team, and they're going to be probably, like I said, 19 or 20 is my prediction. That's fine with me because you're still going to the bull, regardless whether you're 12 or 18. Now, in a few years, when this playoff expands, maybe we're having a different conversation. Actually, I'll take that back. When next year, when we're in the Big 12, now the rankings matter a little bit more because that could affect. Accent on a little bit there. Yeah, playoff, no. Playoffs, bowl games. But as far as the currently, regardless of where this team is ranked, you win out, you're going to play in the same bowl game. That means oh, yeah, they're, 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 they're ceiling. As far as bowl games go, they're they're not getting beyond the cotton. Right, sure, sure. And, and that being said, I will give the people what they want. I there. wouldn't start pounding the table and feeling disrespected unless they're still in the twenties. Every and college you know, football fan feels they're disrespected. That's not the point. I'm telling you where they should. All right, I am dictating with some voice. Whoa, reasons. dictating, Kyle. <laughs> hey, listen, Stephen A. Smith can do it. Why can't I? I'm kidding. Well, no, I listen. think nineteen is very realistic. Yeah, nineteen twenty. Yeah. North Carolina. Lane and and Illinois all lost. Uh, they're going to drop down, and and they're going to drop down enough that UCF can overtake them. I, I don't even because of the ugly win. I don't know if Notre Dame's going to get pushed down below UCF. Oh, they'll never do that. There's a there's a former board of trustee member on the damn committee. That's not going to happen. Yeah, but uh, on the committee, Terry Mohaja was there until he moved to UCF because it had to be a Sun Belt guy. So I mean, 
I, I but, take some of that. Right, right, right. I just, but here's the thing. Just take care. Beat Navy. Beat South Florida. Just take look, care of it. It's, it's all in your control. It's all. It's a beautiful situation. Honestly, guys, we're really fortunate. I, I, you know, with two losses to be have control of getting to New Year's Six. That's not the norm here. This is a unique year where we've had, you know, everybody's got two losses. That's relevant. I know Coastal maybe doesn't, but uh, I, I just, to me, I look at it as man, we're in a good spot here. You're going to play a bad Navy team, and I know people are going to push about Navy, but Kyle, you said this even before the year. We lost to Navy last year. You don't think these players remember that? Like, there's no way they're looking past Navy. And then South Florida. South Florida can't beat right now Miami Central High School. They did compete with U of F, though, in in Cincinnati. So, like, What does that say? Well, because they were probably napping. They were kind of laughing. Like, we have to play this game? Hey, hey. Hey, by the way, Jeff Scott's no longer there, though. So, Well, whole other thing, too. That might be an improvement there. Right? <laughs> Uh, Soskin, by the way, right, he said that Spears' thigh was hurting pretty badly, which is why they were shutting him, shutting him in and out. Well, maybe I didn't he was, notice he that. Was a little bit, but I, uh, I, you, 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 there's a certain point where you know ride the horse. Certain point, shut him down. I, I could tell they wanted, it, but yeah, he was hobbling a bit. It's a very valid point. Yeah. Steve Collins, by the way, right up your alley, boys. You're gonna love this one. Steve Collins with his comment here: Our O line and D line deserve the game ball. Outstanding job, huh? Yeah, they, they they not so much the D line, but the O line all night. The offensive line was the was the most consistent position group of the day, uh, even on times when you know things sometimes looked a little murky. They did their job. Yeah, the 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 running back's success was based on them. You know, look at the big sixty-seven yard touchdown. There was a hole in the middle so big you can drive not one but two Mack trucks through them. What was it that our own Jeff Sharon said uh, in, in the group that, that 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 yeah right that stat boy could hit that hole carrying me, Eric Lopez and Jeff Sharon. Shoulder <laughs> handling that. Oh wait, I got so we got some breaking I mean, news here, boys. Is, you're bigger we, than I am. Jeez, <laughs> we got some we got some breaking news. This will affect Kyle. Maybe not as much. It won't affect Drew as much, but it will affect a lot of people. The UCF Navy start time has been announced, and there it is. Senior night is really more like senior morning. That's right. 11 a.m. Eastern kick, folks. Ooh, the put the coffee L- on, ladies and gentlemen. It'll that be on ESPN two. <laughs> Thoughts on the kick. I think this is the earliest start time for a UCF home football game that I can remember, guys. I don't remember an 11 By the way, on another note, Elo, I believe the last time there was a noon kick was right here in Orlando, obviously, against Navy. I was there. Uh, That was a beautiful game. It was a beautiful day. It was a quick game, three hours. Uh, The reason why this is 11 a.m., it's kind of weird. I looked at my TV listings. It seems like ESPN2 is going to have like a quadruple header that day. And the way to do that is by having games at 11, 2, 15, 5, and 8. I think that's what they're trying to do. It's a unique start time. I'm not looking forward to the puns this week about, oh, are they going to sleep through this game? Is it going to be a sleepwalk? Oh, is the crowd – what are the fans going to do for an 11 a.m.? You know, I mean, we're going to get all that stuff, but – 11 a.m. on the deuce, uh, Kyle. So get up early. I drew it. You're not going to be there for the morning kick. No, no. I'll be watching in my hotel room in Cleveland, Ohio. Uh, okay. But I'll still be doing everything I normally do. Isn't that 10 a.m. then? Is that 10 a.m. over there? No, it's, it's Eastern time. Okay. I, we'll you know, maybe you know, Chicago is Central time, but, but, but Ohio is, is Eastern time. 
It's weird, Ohio. It's the Midwest, but it's on Eastern time. I don't get it, Drew. Well, it's the borderline between the, mid, uh, the Mid-Atlantic and the Midwest. It they doesn't kind of matter the what the borderline is. is. They try to draw the line at Pennsylvania and Ohio. Good historical reference, by the way, sir. No, I listen, you know, for that in my mind, honestly, here's a pop quiz for me. If you're looking for a trap between here and there, albeit memories being fresh from Mikey Keene's start and how that game was dropped, fellas, I got to tell you, I'm a little worried about that one. With the way we have, we, we are observing injuries up front in the defensive front, right? So that's going to be a big deal when you're trying to practice up to face the option. I mean, let's, I know. let's take it up a notch. Look what sure. Navy did against Notre Dame today. Well, Notre perfect. Dame had 35 points at halftime. Mm-hmm. They ended up with 35 points at the end of the game. 16 of Navy's 32 were scored in the fourth quarter. That's what they did to UCF. They absolutely destroyed them in the fourth quarter. That's what Navy does. So you need to build up that lead. You can't leave points on the field like they did tonight. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be able to beat a team like Navy that specializes in tiring you out, and when you have a defense that's thin from injuries, which we, we hope players come back, but right now they're a little thin, that's like they're going to salivate over that. So you need to be ready to hit hard on the offense, get those points on the board, and then hold on for dear life as that fourth quarter goes on. All right, let's um, let's play a clip here. We got Gus Malzahn audio after the game courtesy of our good friend trace trucker who with some friends drove all the way from orlando to new orleans how about that how about trace knocking it out of the park president fly that man's got like an unlimited travel budget seriously what a budget on the trace joke i guarantee it's not coming from sons of ucf budget also uh, only uses three <laughs> syllables to pronounce new orleans anyways Direct. all right here's gus here's gus's opening thoughts and uh, you guys can react okay uh, first of all uh, real proud of our team uh, going on the road, top 20 opponent on the road, one of the biggest games they've had here probably in a long, long time. And our guys played really well. You know, defensively, we were down three starters. We were playing a bunch of young guys, and guys hadn't played a lot. Thought they battled. You know, we forced three turnovers or three fumbles. We almost got the one right there that would have been big, but two turnovers uh, offensively. I mean, we knew we had to run the ball. Uh, that's a big time defense, and they drop eight a lot. And uh, people have had trouble running the football. We just felt real strong that we had to get off to a good start running the football and 300 whatever yards rushing. We could be more proud of our offensive line or running backs. John Rice showed a lot of guts, a lot of heart. And I thought our receivers blocked on the perimeter. But really big win for us and real proud of our guys, the way they competed. Okay. You know, it's interesting, Eric. He mentions coming out with being successful with the run. He opened throwing the dang thing. He was setting the table. Saying, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he, he kind of hit kind of things that we talked about. You know, he didn't want to say there was jobs, missed Drew. opportunities, but there were missed opportunities. <laughs> but he kind of he kind of tap danced around. It. I don't think he mentioned penalties, which I did have on my bingo card here. But that's yeah, I mean, well, it's only the opening statement. Yeah, there's plenty plenty of room for for that. Hey, but I know it's the only, only the open statement, but Drew, listen, as somebody who's in there regularly when he does do them at home, because I don't have Trace's travel budget, I, um, you know, he normally mentions that in the opening statement. Yeah, you, you may not have his uh, unlimited travel budget, but you're the one who's always dressed, dressed to impress. Well, that is true. 
dressed to impress here. Uh, yeah, he, he wears his tie. I mean, how can you not be like, hey? All right, Eric. Eric. Eric Edwards says, "How many people are buying tickets for Gus versus Nick Saban in Dallas?" Wow. Uh, first of all, we're not playing Nick Saban in Dallas. Uh, it's we're not playing... happening. Yeah, it's not it's happening. Bowl projections, Drew. We got to do bowl projection now. I have to yep, be on the air. And I'll tell you who's not going to be in the Cotton Bowl. It's not going to be Alabama. Who is it? Not an eight. Not an SEC team. Ooh, there's a tease. Are you going to Are you going to chime in? Are you going to contribute to this uh, bowl projections, Kyle? Uh, probably not. But I would like to take a moment of silence for my first responder bowl prediction. Oh, oh, yeah, that's dead. <laughs> well, it, look at it this way. You weren't far off from a geography standpoint. You were just, you know, wrong bowl wrong in the state. state. And, state. hey, at the end of the day, could see another Florida team get into the first responder bowl. Your Noel's not looking so hot there, Elo. I'm throwing that out there. Saying. <laughs> no he's, he's like, I don't know what to say. I just got <laughs> thrown under the bus for them being my Noel's. <laughs> it would be the first time. Oh, actually, it's because his mic went. He's quiet. Yeah, I, I, well, I'm muted because I'm trying to get some more audio for you, gentlemen, because we got more Gus. Oh, Who wants he, more Gus, huh? He called us gentlemen. That's really that's really something. No, that's how I know I hurt his feelings. He's getting serious with me. No, listen. <laughs> but no, that in mind, listen, Miami, the Miami pick probably won't happen either, but FSU, the first responder, mate, could still happen. Dude, you're going to see FSU in Orlando at the Cheez-It Bowl. I'm calling it right now. They're not leaving the state. But – uh, or they might go to Jacksonville. Your two favorite cities, Kyle, Orlando or Jacksonville. Yeah, I have a quota for going to Jacksonville in a year, and it's zero. I try to keep a guy it that that's, way. I'll tell you, a guy that's not thinking about Jacksonville is Gus Malzahn, who addresses JRP starting. Ooh, let's hear it. What Gus had to say. And you don't lose your position uh, with an injury, and really that's the way that I went about it. Uh, you know, Mike is a starter with his own right. Y'all know that, and uh, – you know, I felt like we need to start him. I possibly could have played Mike. You know, so we're going to do whatever it takes to win at this point. But John Rice, just the way he ran the ball, I mean, he changed the game early. Anytime the quarterback's a run threat like he was, it opened up everything else on the outside. And, um, you know, he had a really, really good game. Coach Tulane had only given up 127 yards average rushing. Talk about your rushing performance a little bit more, and particularly Isaiah Bowser down the stretch yeah. there. Or was that a thing of beauty that last drive? He's one of the best backs in college football, and he showed that he imposed his will. Our offensive line, I need to say this, like our offensive line is a really good offensive line. I know early on people were questioning this and that. It took them a little bit to gel. But the last three or four weeks, I mean, they've played great football. And to have that many yards rushing against that team says a lot about those guys. And couldn't be more proud of those guys also. Coach, can you talk about how important it was for the young guys when that defense with some big key uh, contributors out to yeah. step in and we saw no Yeah, ball. yeah, you know, it stresses you a little bit. You, know, you got them young guys out there in key moments, but man, they competed and they did a good job. It was next man up mentality. You know, our guys, this is the biggest game of the year. Y'all knew that. Our guys knew that. And uh, next man up. They competed hard. They played extremely hard. You know, you got to give Tulane credit. <laughs> They're a really good football team. They got a really good head coach. And for us to win here, uh, you know, it was, it's really big for us. It got to Michael Pratt quite a bit. Yeah. We pressured him. Yeah, we did. And, and Ricky Barber came on. Now, he really he had a really good game again. And, and we were able to hit him. You know, we didn't hit the quarterback against Memphis very much, you know. And so Trav dialed up some things. And guys got after the quarterback. And we, we made him uncomfortable at times. But he's a really good quarterback, too. Now, I mean, they got, they got really good, really good players. And listen, there you to, go. 
Coach is right about a lot of stuff there, too. Pratt, as a younger guy, I expect Tulane to have a field day in the upcoming uh, American Conference in its new makeup, simply on the strength of the fact that it'll be pretty well established at the quarterback position. I'm not saying it's going to be like in 2017 with the Eric King and Mackenzie Milton basically handing off the offensive player award week to week for the conference, but I think they're going to be definitely be one of the front runners. Yeah, who, ca- who cares? We're going to be in the Big 12. We don't care at that point. What they can do with anyway. Hey, listen. Uh, <laughs> that attitude is how you end up losing to an opponent like the next UCF. That winter is coming, my friend. Listen, we got to worry about all the. But I, I want to address a couple of things you mentioned. You don't lose your job over injury. Right. Kai, you brought that up on the podcast. I did. You nailed that's it. First time, that's not the first time Gus has said that. That's number one. Number two, how about him going after talking about we have a good offensive line? I know some people went after him early in the year. Was he calling you both out? No, because if you'll also acknowledge three or four weeks ago, they started playing really good. Who said that three weeks ago that uh, that uh, the Cincinnati game was their best game that they, they turned a corner? Sure. Also, this guy. Drew, what th- what stood out to you or the Gus comments there? Uh, well, I he kind of. You know, even though he kind of danced around it, but it made it sound like this was the game plan. They they knew what they wanted to do this week, and, and the game plan was to to use John Rice as the guy. Uh, they they had a plan. It was going to be to run the ball, and, and you if you want to run the ball, you, you go with the guy that has the legs to do it. Uh, so I, it just kind of goes back to what we're saying that it wasn't a last minute decision, but I think the weather just kind of cemented it. Correct. And it, and it, you know, he, you know, even though he didn't say it before, uh, he, you know, he said it, he said it at the Cincinnati game. You know, it goes back. Also, the whole red shirt thing. You know, if he doesn't need to use Mikey, he's not going to. Right. And he's been clear about that too, frankly. Yeah, and you know, he wants to win, and he wants to win. You know, he's not milling anything in. He's not. No. Anything right, right. Just because. Right. Unlike a certain person on this podcast who, before the season, said this year didn't matter or that it should be canceled yeah i didn't say it was canceled i'm just saying it's not the end of the world if you don't win the conference this year that's all and i'll be out let's be real no let's be real guys we weren't expecting a two loss team to be in this position for near because it's not like our picks are like we i think drew you and i said they would lose twice this year drew uh, how many losses you had them losing three two three I, i was the one that had two i think you guys were at one uh i think we had i had them losing I had him losing a third game that was their bowl game. Okay. I had him losing three because I had him losing the conference championship game. I think I had him at – I don't know. We'll have to look back. But the point you know is, I, you, we didn't you know, think they would be in this position. Yeah, to, I was completely – Right? I'm not even in the conference championship in my bracket. So there you right. Go. So, yeah. I think to me this has been pleasant. If this was a different year, maybe we're having a totally different conference. But we're not. It's a beautiful thing. It's 2022. They've got a chance to cash in. they got a chance to w- to get everything they want. Short term, win a conference championship. Long term, make yourself better by going to the Big 12 and perhaps having an experienced quarterback ready to go among other players for the Big. This is a win-win situation. I think it's just I, I respect the staff for making this winning move. Winning is always oh, winning is always a winning situation because it's winning. Uh, yeah. It's it's you don't usually do that if unless you're trying to you know, compensate for something such as like not playing Mikey King is a win-win when the team's winning because he's also getting to maintain his red shirt. Uh, that's where you kind of make that. But I, the, the truth is, you know, this, this was a good team in the American going into the season. They were, they were ranked in the top, you know, four of the conference. 
Uh, they were expected to compete. This, is, this isn't that much of a surprise. But the big surprise is the lack of compete out of uh, you know, Dana Holgerson and, and the Houston Kitty Cats. I mean, well, Houston and SMU. Fair. I mean, Kyle, that was your team, SMU. I had Houston in fairness, so we're both in the same boat. They're, those defenses. Yeah. You, uh, you, you, yeah, you told me how much of a genius you and Drew were with your Houston pick. Hey, at the end of the I day. always thought Drew was a smart guy. So, I mean, you know, he's not perfect. Well, and, and, and the thing was, uh, well, I don't, I don't look at Eric's work when he picks his stuff out. <laughs> he definitely looks at my work. Well, he's a smart, yeah, because I'm trying to find what the smart people are saying. So he's a smart. Uh, guy. I don't think I mean, anyone, I, as you can see from the media poll, I don't think anyone really expected Houston to just choke. Like, yeah. I've never been a Dana Holgerson fan. Neither have I. Back to to West. Shame on me. But no one really expected such a talented team that did so well last year, that had so much talent, just. That was the shocking thing is Houston returned a lot of personnel, pretty pretty schedule that was pretty favorable, and they didn't take advantage yeah, of it. Yeah, and then you have Cincinnati. What's, what's the key place they players. didn't have a lot of returners, Eric Lopez? Well, had re- well they had returners in the key positions. I mean, Clayton Toons. What, what part of the team did they not have a lot of key In the line. In the offensive line. Thank you, Kerry. But then you look at Cincinnati. Cincinnati's defense was gutted yeah. by the NFL sure. draft because they were that good. Yeah. And so – Okay, they're going to take a step. You know what? They're still pretty good. I think they're playing with house money because you're right. Because even if they don't win the conference this year, they got a good nucleus going into the Big 12. So I think they should be feeling pretty good. And look, let's get into this because now let's look at the picture here. Let's start with UCF. Are you either of you concerned about Navy next week as far as a loss? I know you're saying they could give them a game. You got the scheme. But are you generally concerned that they can lose this game, either one of you? Absolutely. This is, this is the guy that's concerned about this game. It's Admiral Akbar. It's a trap. <laughs> All right, that reference uh, the, went over. The answer to your question is absolutely. Really? Uh, okay, so you're concerned. Absolutely. Uh, no, this is actually the what a trap game really is. Really? Even uh, though they lost to them last year? Uh, no, I don't think the reason why, because them losing to them last year could easily be written off as, well, you know, Mike Keane's first start. No injuries. Oh, my God. Justin Hodges' first game is playing the night position. You know, there's so many excuses. I can. Did you just go Durka Durka? I really did. He did. Yeah, he really did. Listen. No, I mean, but you you guys get what I'm getting at. It'd be really easy to discount that loss. This isn't Louisville where they're going to necessarily be out for blood. They're just going to be here, so to speak. Not literally, obviously. They're just going to be trying here to, to even the score. That yeah. being said, I'm not saying that USF is the trap. It's that conference championship that you're looking. Well, let me for. ask you. Who, so you're uh, the rivalry game. There's difference. There's are difference. you more concerned about Navy or South Florida? Navy. Navy. Yeah. Um, Navy has you know when you deal with a triple option team like Navy, they either they can do really well or really poorly, and they have a chance to sneak up. They they all. They were an onside kick recovery away from having a legitimate chance of beating Notre Dame. Uh, is this is this your fault, Drew, if they lose to Navy because you're not going to be in attendance? Is this on you then? Is that where you're no, that streak ended with Louisville. Okay. Um, Just check. No. Yeah, Louisville was the first game that we I covered in Bryson. Bryson. You can get lost. 
Uh, and Bry- and Bryson Turner will take my is planning on taking my place, but I don't I don't think I don't he think has. he can get up that early. It's eleven a.m. Those kids. Oh yeah, that's right. Early. He does have he has the college student sleep schedule. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that, oh, I can't wait for those tweets about where's the students. Oh god, that's gonna be yeah, they're too hungover from. All right, but but like, would you agree with this? Whether you're concerned about Navy or not, you would agree that UCF all things. If you if I would have told you that you've got two wins. You got to beat Navy at home at USF to win a comp to get to the conference championship game and host it. You take it. Like I oh, compared to what the path out yeah. of that, and they you talked about Tulane's got to play SMU in Cincinnati. Yes, and that's what. I, well, yeah, that's not that's not enviable. And, and that's uh, what I wanted to allude to. So let's yeah. you, from UCF. I personally think Tulane's going to lose out. I think SMU will outscore them. It could be the game should probably air on NBA TV because it could be like first to seven. There you go. Bet the over. Yeah. And I think Cincinnati's going to beat them on Black Friday. I think it's going to be UCF Cincinnati part two. I think part two. Yeah, right. I I think you have a good basis with the Cincy game because I believe up front that Cincy will dominate just as UCF did. However, I don't necessarily agree with it's going to be a shootout, but I think the ability of Spears to run, I like him better than the ground game opportunity for SMU. Not to say that they don't have one, but I think they have the better ability to control the ball if somehow they get lucky, Tanner Mordecai makes a mistake, whatever happens. Um, if they find themselves up two scores, they can put it, bring it to the ground, reduce the chances that Tanner Mordecai has on offense with SMU, and we can work from – Well, let, work- let me ask you both this, and I want our audience, to, if they know the answer to this, I may look this up. What if – what if – SMU were to beat Tulane, and then Tulane beat Cincinnati. Who gets the slot? Uh, that so scenario. Uh, SMU beats Cincinnati, and then yeah. or SM, SMU beats Tulane, and Tulane right. beats Cincinnati. Right, because well, that would that would drop Cincinnati to two losses. Tulane would have two losses. Oh right? yeah, UCF. Right. Well, um, and, if they so, beat Cincinnati head to head, they'd still have the advantage. Tulane. Well. The, the second tiebreaker is based on the CFP ranking. That's right. Uh, so look at look at Houston's remaining schedule. East Carolina, Tulsa. I don't SMU's think remaining schedule. Uh, let's see, where's SMU's remaining schedule? Let's find SMU's. I had it for just a moment. Of course, my window decided to close on me. And so, well, yeah, with that in mind, like, and, and no, that's a good point about the ranking. Also, I, I think... I'll put it this way. SMU beating Tulane would be more of an upset than Cincinnati doing it. So I think that's worth mentioning as well, right? Well, yeah. So you have Tulane and Memphis for SMU. You have East Carolina, Tulsa for um, for for Houston. So, so you potentially could end up having four teams with two losses. Potentially, right? That, what, what what do you do then? Like that's a wild scenario that nobody's even brought up, but I think it's somewhat realistic. I don't think it'll happen. I think Cincinnati's going to beat Tulane, but that that is in play. If you know Lord what? help us, and Lord help us, if UCF were to drop one of the games and they're thrown into the mix with everybody at two losses, holy smokes! Well, actually, in that again, because it would come down to head to head at some point, and also highest ranking. Yeah, I know. Um, but I think that the, the fact that UCF has beaten two of the teams would matter. I would think so. But that that's a wild scenario that could play out. So that SMU Tulane game is pretty important and I'm kind of curious how Tulane will come out there. But I, I I'm going on record. I think it's going to be Cincinnati at UCF 
Oh, if you generate and you can bet it, yes. Do you agree or disagree with that, Drew? Do you have a you have a different you think Tulane can beat Cincinnati? Or what's your what's your thought as of right now? Well, every team is mortal. I mean, uh, it really depends on, on the overall you know factors that go into the game. Uh, you know, look at what happened with UCF. You know, they had in the first half they had weather that was very favorable, and and you know things happen during the game. You know, any team can win any game on any given day. So, I mean, are they both good teams? Yeah. Do I, you know, look at Cincinnati. They they barely squeaked by against East Carolina. And if you actually look at how Cincinnati scored, kickoff return touchdown, uh, two plays that were 50-plus yard touchdowns. I mean, they were big plays. They didn't score on sustained drives against East Carolina. So, I mean, this, you, you it's, you know, just because they won that game, doesn't necessarily mean they had a great game. It just you had key plays that worked out in your favor, especially the kickoff return, because that, that you know those you know, get a touchdown of that so few and far between. So I, yeah, absolutely, Tulane could beat could beat Cincinnati. Black Friday looks like they made the right decision putting that game on Black Friday because there's going to oh, be absolutely. right. It was, it was a, once you realize that that USF was was not worth anything, you knew that game was done. And once Tulane started starting collecting votes in the top 25, that's when they pulled the trigger. By the way, we should find out, if not this Monday, at some point next week, we'll find out the kick time for the South Florida game on that Saturday. I think it's going to be – I think that could be a noon game too, by the way. That could be a noon ESPNU type of a ball game there. So we could have back-to-back early kicks uh, for UCF here. And then the conference championship game, I haven't seen it officially, but – my guess is they'll be on ABC at 3.30 like they've done the last few years. Well, hey, that works for me because that'll still be 11 a.m. for me. I'll be in the central time zone when that uh, USF kick happens. There you go. <laughs> That's right. You're going to be out of town for that. Oh, my goodness. Wait, 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 wait. Eric, what's, what city are they, is he going to be in? Nolens? My man. Nolens? <laughs> a lot of ways to say it, too. I mean, the Orleans, the Orleans, the Orleans, Nolens. So long as you don't make it. So so long as you don't make leans three so leans. I think we can agree on this. Tulane, really twenty seven thousand. You couldn't fill out the damn stadium. Good lord! No wonder game day passed you by. Good lord. Do better. <laughs> what are you guys? What everybody was waiting watching LSU Arkansas. What are you guys doing? Yeah, you probably were actually. That's not actually, actually, that was a close game. It, uh, actually, really I, was watching, <laughs> I was watching Vanderbilt, uh, Kentucky. I was stunned by the, the the camera shots. Like, this is your biggest game you've had in like seventy years, and the place well, there they were packed. Going down with the cameras, it was like the main camera wasn't functional at first. At one point, I mean, it was there was the some issues. mic wasn't functional at one point. And there, there was well, that that's ref, that's you know an ID ten T error, and you know. Oh, was it? Okay. <laughs> uh. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think he was calling the game that way. I mean, that's a fact. Anyways. Yeah, that, that's a, a level one air resistance air. <laughs> there you go. All right, let's wrap this up here. There's other things you want to bring up that we haven't brought up as far as today's game and moving forward. Either way. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how the, the defense rests and, and gets back. Uh, they're gonna get some bodies. Get those – try to get those guys back. Yeah, I mean, missing Gene Baptiste and Devon Wilson, that, you know, they had concussions – uh, last week and and they were out and you know you take your time with them but you know you hope that they come back as we know Plumlee passed the concussion protocol before last week's game they opted not to use them here's here's the truth they're gonna need them next week these defensive players 
Although that's a bad matchup to come back from being not healthy against Navy in the way they schemed. I mean, that's a physical game yeah, for the at defense. Those guys, at least those guys would have seen it before. Sure. Yeah, they've, they've all experienced it. They, they've had the Navy and By the way, I do think, by the way, I think it'd benefit UCF that the South Florida game is on a Saturday and not Friday because they could have had a short week after a Navy game, which Great. I don't think has been brought up. I actually think this game being on a Saturday this year really has benefited UCF in a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. It never hurts to have that extra day of rest and yeah. preparation. Granted, you know, USF is, is not a good team. They're you know, in complete disarray. Come on. They had a packed house of dozens of people today for us. Their, their quarterback got knocked out of the game. They had a true freshman having to come in and play. I think they're I mean, going to have a yeah, third-string quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just the, the wheels have fallen off. I mean, it's, One of you might get called in. If you're in the press box, Drew, you might get called to play some snaps for them. If uh, I mean, I, I wonder if I have any eligibility left. I mean, I haven't done it in a while, but, man, no. Can't be I any do. worse than any of those quarterbacks they've had. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I have any more eligibility. <laughs> what is that crowd? That crowd, that's going to be like a de facto home game, right? Like nobody at USF, no USF fan is going to go to that game. Well, I mean, you know. And that's from except for the fifty. That's true. I mean, the fifty fans they have left. Um, <laughs> I mean, they, uh, they're expecting to get the the you know the door blown in. Uh, I mean, there's fans that want sixty four to twelve to kind of look like child's play. Uh, God, you know what? Sp- I can't even imagine what the spread's going to be like for that game. Seventeen twenty points. Oh, it's got to be at least. Two, it's going to be at least three touchdowns easily. As Chris Berman would say, some spread, huh? That's the commercial with how Yeah, there's going to be some blocks and bagels and cream cheese. A Taco Bell commercial, if I remember correctly. Yo quiero Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. No, no, way before that. Kyle, your final thoughts. Viva Gordita! No, that's... A lot of Spanish on this show, by the way. Love it. Huevos, viva. That's good. Yes, and one bit to describe Drew lately. Tonto. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I got Eric on that one, baby. Woo! Listen, uh, my final thought is for all you Mikey Keene holdouts, accept it as fact. You'll be stuck JR pouting for the rest of this season. And Drew, as the stat boy extraordinaire, has given you every reason why. Because Coach Malzahn has made it clear that he's going to respect the eligibility and unless something goes completely wrong. And then maybe you'll get your wish. But if you want to wish for another young man to be hurt, well... You got a lot of big. Just big enjoy problems. the wins, right? Enjoy the wins. You got baby. a lot of problems than disagreeing with me or anybody else. If you are actually going that far, I'll leave it at that. Hey, let's enjoy. This has been a great weekend. Men's basketball knocked off Florida State, uh, uh, which first time they've beaten Florida State at home. Second straight time they've beaten the Seminoles. I don't care that FSU is shorthanded. UCF's got their own injuries. That was a fun game, Kyle. You and I were there. I got to call the game on the radio. Thank you. Yeah, that uh, was amazing. That was pretty fun. Thanks to everybody that uh, made that happen, Mark Daniels and company. And then football with a big win over Tulane. I mean, this has been a big, big weekend, a part of a successful fall. Volleyball's having a great year in the top 25. Women's soccer is in the NCAA tournament. Good luck to them in Raleigh against NC State. So this is fun time at UCF. So let's enjoy it because you know who wouldn't be enjoying all this is our good friend James, uh, Cossack advisor who's upstairs watching. He enjoyed the sport. He would have enjoyed this weekend. He's enjoyed it. And I know he's enjoying it because he's watching it from above. And uh, we'll miss him. But we know he'll be following, and he'll be sending – he'll be in his own way. He'll be sending us questions and comments and uh, tweets in his own way. We're certainly uh, – thoughts with him. We dedicate this show to him. That's why we called the uh, the chat room there today, the Cossack Advisor chat room. Thanks to everybody who contributed to that and all the best wishes. 
uh, there to him and his family in this tough time. And uh, I think, yeah, UCF uh, made themselves proud to, today to be a knight. So uh, for Kyle Nash, for Andrew Glukoff, I'm Eric Lopez. Uh, we will leave you with a uh, silent tear in memory of James and uh, say uh, go Knights and charge on. You've been watching Night Shift.